You're listening to the Dibbly Dobbly Podcast. Remember to like, share, comment, subscribe, and click the bell to make sure you get the latest episodes of the podcast. Be sure to like and share our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Dibbly Dobbly Podcast. On today's episode of the podcast, we review the first Ashes test between Australia and England from the Gabba. It's the Dibbly Dobbly Podcast, and let's get started. Let's have a look at the match summary of the first Ashes test at the Gabba between Australia and England. England won the toss and chose to bat first and made 147 all out in their first innings. Butler top scored with 39, and Cummins took five wickets for Australia. Australia, in reply in their first innings, all out for 425. Head top scored with 152, and Robinson and Wood both took three wickets for England. England, in their second innings, were bowled out for 297. Root top scored with 89, and Lyon took four wickets for Australia. Australia needed 20 runs to win in their second innings. They finished on one for 20. Harris and Kerry both top scored with nine, and Robinson took one wicket for England. Australia won by nine wickets, and Travis Head was named man of the match. What were the key moments and key factors from this first Ashes test between Australia and England? Australia's bowling in the first innings to dismiss England for 147, which put England on the back foot early in this test match. Australia's first innings batting, making 425 all out, which saw them take a big lead of 278 runs in the first innings. Warner and Labuschagne's partnership of 156 for the second wicket and Travis Head's innings of 152 were also important for Australia, getting that 425 score. England's fight back with Root and Milan's partnership of 162 for the third wicket saw England to 2 for 220 at stumps on day three, only trailing by 58 runs behind Australia. Australia's bowling in the second innings was key, removing Milan and Root and broke that partnership, and that saw a batting collapse from England, which saw them bowled out for 297 and set Australia only 20 runs to win. Those were the key moments and key factors from this first Ashes test at the Gabba. Let's have a look at both teams' performances with both bat and ball from this first Ashes test at the Gabba. We'll start with Australia and their batsman Warner, 94. Harris, 3 and 9 not out. Labuschagne, 74 and 0 not out. Smith, 12. Head, 152. Green, 0. And Kerry, 12 and 9. That's how Australia went about things with the bat in this first Ashes test. Australia's batting in this match I thought was very good. It was an excellent performance with the bat. David Warner and Marcus Labuschagne batted well. Um, after Marcus Harris got out early um, in Australia's first innings, those two, Warner and Labuschagne, combined really well. They added 156 for the second wicket. Warner played a good innings of 94. He adjusted well to the conditions, had a bit of luck with the no ball off Stokes, drop catch of Burns, um, and the missed run out opportunity from Hamid. Wasn't at his fluent best, but he played within himself and played a very good knock for Australia. I thought Labuschagne played exceptionally well for his 74. Like Warner, he adjusted well to the conditions, looked comfortable at the crease, and those two really contributed in Australia getting to that 425 score in the first innings. Um, I thought Travis Head's innings of 152 was very crucial and the key for Australia in this first innings 
um, of this first Ashes test. Um, it was very crucial um, in Australia getting a significant first innings lead. Um, Australia just before T on day two lost two wickets, Labashain and Smith. Then after T lost three quick wickets and were six for 236, only leading by 89 runs. And Australia looked like not getting a big first innings lead in the first innings. But then Travis Head went off. He smashed 152 off 148 balls. His century was the third fastest century in Ashes cricket. Adam Gilchrist and Gilbert Jessup are ahead of him. Obviously, Gilly did it in 57 balls at the Wacker in 2006-07. And Jessup, he did it in 74 balls at the Oval in 1902. Also, Travis Head became the only man to score 100 in a session in Test cricket at the Gabba. He backed himself and played with aggression. And when England's bowlers were getting tired, he attacked them. And um, his innings obviously reminded me of Adam Gilchrist in the way that he attacked um, England in this innings. He backed himself, Travis Head. He played with that aggression. And we all know Travis Head can do this. We've seen it in Sheffield Shield cricket. We've seen it only this summer for South Australia in the uh, one-day cup tournament when he was playing for South Australia against Queensland. He scored 200 off 100-odd odd balls. So he can score at a rapid rate. And we saw that in this test match um, against England with 152 off 148 balls. Um, also, he built great partnerships with uh, Pat Cummins of 70 for the 7th wicket and Mitchell Stark of 85 for the 8th wicket. And those two partnerships were very handy for Australia. And uh, that saw Australia post the 425 score in the first innings and have a lead of 278 runs. And obviously, Travis Head was the difference in Australia getting bowled out and getting a small lead over England in the first innings. But his innings saw Australia get that lead of 278, which put them in a commanding position in this first test match. So a very fine innings from Travis Head, and hopefully for Travis Head, this can kickstart his career, and hopefully we see more centuries from Travis Head um, for the rest of the series and beyond. Um, the, the one thing I liked about Australia's batting in this first uh, Ashes test was their approach to Jack Leach. They really attacked him. They really took down Jack Leach. They didn't let him settle. Um, they played with positive intent. They were always attacking him. Um, and in the end, Jack Leach went for 100 runs in 13 overs or something like that. And it just showed Australia's aggressive approach towards him, looking to um, score a lot of runs off him, looking to get him out of the attack. So Joe Root has to go back to his main bowlers, who are having a rest and are still tired. And that's what happened in this first test match, where Australia were taking him downtown Obviously, Wokes and Robertson and Wood were getting rested, uh, but Joe Root had to go back to himself, and also he had to go back to those other bowlers because Jack Leach wasn't doing the job. So I, I really like that from Australia. They're really taking a positive approach towards Jack Leach, and that may continue for the rest of the series. So I like that about Australia's batting. So overall, a good batting performance from Australia. Good to see Warner and Labuschagne scoring runs, and and obviously Travis Head scoring runs as well. Obviously, Steve Smith, Alex Carey, and Cameron Green and Marcus Harris would have liked some runs in this test match, but let's hope they can score some runs in Adelaide for the day-night test. But overall, it was a dominant display with the bat and good signs for Australia with the bat going forward for the rest of the series. Let's have a look at Australia's bowlers' performance in this first Ashes test. Green took three wickets. Cummins took Seven wickets, Stark took three wickets, four wickets for Lyon, and three wickets for Hazelwood. That's how the Australian bowlers went about things with the ball in this first Ashes test at the Gabba. 
I thought Australia's bowling in this first Ashes Test match was a dominant performance with the ball. Um, they bowled well in the first innings to dismiss England for 147. They bowled well to conditions and adapted well to conditions which were favourable for bowling. Overcast skies and a green pitch. Mitchell Stark set the tone for Australia, getting Rory Burns out first ball of the match. Pat Cummins led from the front of skipper, taking a five-wicket haul, five for 38. He took in the first innings. Um, Josh Hazelwood, Mitchell Stark, Nathan Lyon, Cameron Green, and Pat Cummins all played their role in this bowling attack for Australia. They bowled good lines and lengths and were consistent in their lines and lengths and plans towards the, uh, towards the England batsmen. In the second innings, I thought the bowling in the second innings was even better than the first innings. Australia found it tough as England were fighting back with Root and Milan batting through to stumps on day three and Australia couldn't take a wicket in the last session of play. The morning of day four and that first hour was crucial for Australia. England were... Two for 220 with Root and Milan at the crease, trailing by 58 runs, England. Uh, Australia needed to take a wicket and get one or both of these batsmen before that new ball, which was 10 overs away, because that partnership between Root and Milan was looking dangerous. Nathan Lyon provided the first breakthrough, getting Darwin Milan out and broke the partnership, which was 162 for the third wicket uh, between Root and Milan and claimed his 400th Test match wicket. Third Australian bowler to do that behind Warner McGrath. Then Drew Root got out, and that signalled the end for England. And from that moment on, Australia just dominated and picked up eight wickets in the session to dismiss England for 297 and needed to chase down 20 runs to win the Test match, and they did that comfortably in the end. Australia were relentless in the second innings, and especially on the morning of day four, they bowled good lines and lengths again as they did in the first innings. They were consistent in their lines and lengths and their plans, just like in the first innings. Nathan Lyon led from the front, taking four wickets. Uh, Pat Cummins... Uh, Mitchell Stark, Josh Hazelwood and Cameron Green all played their roles in the bowling attack again for Australia, just like in the first inning. So it was a very good bowling display in the second innings from Australia. Um, as soon as they got the breakthrough, you just knew with this England batting lineup that they were going to fall and have a batting collapse, and that's what happened. So overall, a good bowling performance from Australia. It was a dominant display with the ball, an absolute masterclass, and very good signs for the rest of the series going forward for the Australian bowlers that they're all contributing and all taking wickets. So that's very good signs for the ball for Australia going forward in the series. Overall, a dominant performance from Australia in this first Ashes Test at the Gabba. Let's have a look at England's team performance with both bat and ball from the first Ashes Test at the Gabba. We'll start with their batsmen. Burns, 0-13. Hamid, 25-27. Milan, 6-82. Root, 0 and 89, Stokes 5 and 14, Pope 35 and 4, and Butler 39 and 23. That's how the England batsmen performed in this first Ashes Test with the ball. I thought England's batting overall in this match was poor. Um, the first innings was terrible, and it wasn't a great performance with the bat. Um, losing Rory Burns in the first serve with the first ball of the innings to Mitchell Stark set the tone for England in their first innings. They lost wickets at regular intervals, 1 for 0, 2 for 11, 3 for 11, 4 for 29, 5 for 60, 6 for 112, 7 for 118, 8 for 122, 9 for 144, and 147, all out. Didn't build big partnerships either with the bats, 0, 11, 0, 18, 31, 52, 6, 4, 22, and 3. Couldn't adjust to the conditions, didn't show any application with the bat whatsoever, didn't tough it out, and weren't resilient enough when things got tough in that first innings. I thought in the second innings, 
They showed great fight and resistance with the bat, in particular Joe Root and Darwin Milan. They batted well for their partnership of 162 for the third wicket. They saw England to stumps on day three, two for 220, trailing by 58 runs, and a chance of setting Australia at a reasonable target to chase. But day four is where it all went wrong for England with the bat in that first session on day four. Um, England needed Root and Milan to get in and get set and be there in 10 overs time for the second new ball. Unfortunately, they weren't able to do that. Milan went out early to Lyon, then Root followed afterwards. Uh, that signaled the end for England. They had a massive batting collapse and Australia just dominated with the ball. They lost eight wickets in the first session and weren't able to make uh, a big turtle for Australia to chase down in the second innings. They only set Australia 20 runs to win, which wasn't enough in the end. Australia chased down the runs easily. They lost wickets at regular intervals again in the second innings, just like in the first innings. One for 23, two for 61, three for 223, four for 229, five for 234, six for 266, seven for 268, eight for 286, nine for 296, and all out for 297. Didn't build big partnerships either, barring the partnership between Root and Milan. 23-38-162-65-32-2-18-10-1. So both fittings from England with the bat was, was a poor performance in the end. Um, a quick word on Joe Root. I thought he batted superbly in this test match in the second innings for his 89. Uh, what a player Joe Root is. He just passed Michael Vaughan's record for the most runs in a calendar year for England in test cricket. Um... And he, he needs support, basically. He needs support. Joe Root can't do it all himself. And we saw in the second innings, no one supported him. Um, and it's been that, like that for a while now for England, not supporting Joe Root. Um, he's scoring all these runs and having a golden, a golden 2021 with the bat. Um, he's in the best form of his life, and the rest of the batsmen can't support him. And he needs that support. If England are to post big scores in this Ashes series, he needs support from the likes of Burns, Hamid, Milan, Stokes, Pope and Butler. Otherwise, England aren't going to win this series and not going to uh, post big scores, especially in this series. So um, he is by far England's best batsman, that's for sure. He's miles ahead of everyone else. Um, but he played an exceptional innings. He could have got the century, fell... Just short of the century, but I'm, I'm sure Joe Root, he can definitely score a century in this series for England. Um, just a word on England's batting overall. Um, they need to show some fight. They, The challenge isn't facing the Australian bowlers. The challenge for, for the England batsmen is their mindset and their mental application. They need to have a great mental application. Their mental side of their game is very important. Barring Root and Milan and Hamid probably, the rest... Their mental side of their game is not working at the moment. They're not being resilient enough for the bat. They're not showing that fight, that character that you need to show when you're batting. For, for England to win this series, they need to take 20 wickets and bat for long periods of time to post big scores in the first innings. Because if they do that, they give their bowlers something to bowl at. And they're in the game. But they can't do that. And to bat for long periods of time is easier said than done to say that. I'm going to bat for six hours and bat all day. You need to have a great mental routine to do that, to fully switch on and fully switch down in between deliveries and fully concentrate on every delivery and focus on it. With the England batsmen, they're not doing that. And we have saw in this first and second innings, they crumbled. 
and they did not show that. So for England to post big scores and give themselves a chance, they need to dig in. They need to show that mental toughness and resilience. Because if they don't, this could get very ugly for England. And what we saw at the Gabba doesn't bring you with confidence if you're an England fan or supporter with the batting at the moment from this England team. The second test match in Adelaide, day-night test, facing the Australian bowlers under, under lights with the pink ball, it ain't going to get easier. So they need to tough it out. They need to show some fight and resilience. And they need to have good mental routines to bat for long periods of time and to fully concentrate and focus. And they got to support Joe Root. I said it before, he can't do it all himself. You know, you can't rely on Ben Stokes. He's just coming back from a long layoff. What did he make in this test match? 5-14. and 14. You can't rely on him. It's, it's time for Burns, Hamid, Milan, Stokes, Pope, Butler. You've got to stand up. You've got to support your skipper. And for England, for them to win this series, they need to, to help each other. The whole batting unit, the whole team needs to help each other. So overall, it was a disappointing batting display from England. It was a pathetic display in the second innings and in the first innings with the bat. Um, they've got a lot of work to do um, in the series with the bat going forward. Let's have a look at England's bowlers and their performance in this first Ashes test from the Gabba. Root took a wicket. No wickets for Stokes. Two wickets for Wokes. Four wickets for Robinson. Three wickets for Wood. And one wicket for Leach. That's how the England bowlers went about things in this first Ashes test at the Gabba. I thought England's bowling in this test match, especially in the first innings, was okay. It wasn't the greatest performance from them for the ball. But I thought they... They did well to challenge the Australian batsmen. And I thought Robinson and Mark Wood were by far England's two best bowlers in the first innings, Ollie Robinson and Mark Wood. Uh, with Robinson, I was very impressed with his uh, lines and lengths. He was consistent. He was always challenging the Australian batsmen. Um, I thought Mark Wood bowled exceptionally well. He, he bowled with good pace throughout the whole first innings, um, always challenged the Australian batsmen, made it uncomfortable for them at times. And I thought they were the two standouts for England in the bowling performance in the first innings. Um, also, England missed some opportunities with the ball and in the field. Um, obviously, Ben Stokes is the biggest one bowling that no ball to David Warner. We all know what happened there. He bowled David Warner out, clean bowled, but the umpire called it a no ball. And that was a big opportunity gone for England. Obviously, we all know what happened there. Obviously, the technology wasn't available with the third umpire calling the no balls. And before that Warner dismissal, he bowled four no balls before the wicket ball um, when he got rid of David Warner. So Ben Stokes didn't have a great test match with the bat and the ball uh, coming back from his long layoff after uh, taking a break due to mental health and well-being, obviously. Um, also, Rory Burns dropped David Warner at slip for 48. And that was a big opportunity gone for England as well. Hamid um, missed the run out of David Warner. He should have just ran up to the stumps and knocked the bales over because David Warner was still short of his crown, of his ground, I should say. And Hamid just chose to throw the ball and miss the stumps. So they missed opportunities like that, England. And I thought they bowled okay. And they created a lot of opportunities. But as Joe Root said in his press conference, you know, when you don't take your opportunities with the ball, you're gonna pay the you're gonna pay the price, and that's what they did. So they didn't grasp those opportunities and didn't take them. You need to take those opportunities when they present themselves in Test match cricket. If you don't, the opposition are gonna run away with the match, and that's what happened with Australia in their first innings when they made 425 and had a lead of 278. 
It could have been a lot different from England's point of view. Um, also with England, they've got a concern with Jack Leach. Um, he went for 102 runs and he took one wicket in the first innings. Um, Australia have a clear plan towards him, looking to be aggressive, not looking to have him settle into his innings and spell. Um, what I thought Jack Leach didn't do in his bowling, he didn't change his trajectory or pace. He kept bowling the same pace and same trajectory. He kept bowling it flat with that trajectory. And the Australian batsmen were able to get down to the pitch to him and smack him over the rope for six. Now, the difference between him and Nathan Lyon, for example, is that Nathan Lyon bowls that overspin on the ball and he gets a lot of dip and bounce. And when batsmen go down to the pitch towards Nathan Lyon, they find it hard to hit him over the rope for six because of that overspin he gets with the ball and that dip and that bounce. I think we saw with the Milan dismissal in the second innings when Nathan Lyon got him out for his 400th test match wicket. We saw Milan went down to the pitch towards him and he got an inside edge onto the pad and bobbed up straight to Labuschagne. So that's the difference between Lyon and Leach in terms of um, that overspin that Nathan Lyon gets Whereas Jack Leach, he didn't change his trajectory at all. He kept bowling it flat, flat, flat. And he got the same result, 6-6-6. Six, six, six. So he needs to do something to change his trajectory, his pace, his lines and lengths, um, his fields. Uh, Joe Root said I should have set more defensive fields towards Jack Leach rather than attacking fields. And therefore he went for runs. I don't think it would have mattered anyway what field you would have set to Jack Leach anyway, Joe Root. It doesn't really matter. He was still going to go for runs anyway. Um, so he's got a lot of work to do in this series. So that's a concern for England because they need him to bowl a lot of overs to give the quicks a rest like Wokes, Robinson and Wood. Whereas in this test match, he went for a lot of runs and therefore Joe Root had to go back to Wokes and Robinson and Wood who were very tired. And we saw that towards the back end of day two where they were starting to get fatigued and tired because Jack Leach was going for runs and Joe Root had to go back to himself. You know, he had to put himself on in the attack. And Jack Leach didn't really, uh, didn't really do his job as the spinner. And he's the main spinner, so he's got to play a big role in this series. But he's got a lot of work to do with the ball. So overall, it was an okay bowling performance from England. Not the greatest. Overall, a poor performance from England. There's a lot of work for them to do to get back into this Ashes series. Let's preview the second Ashes test of the series between Australia and England from the Adelaide Oval. Talk about the potential 11s for both teams and who's going to win this second Ashes test. Let's have a look at both teams' record and stats from the Adelaide Oval. The first test match played between Australia and England at the Adelaide Oval was back in 1884. 32 matches, five of them have been draws. Australia have won 18 test matches to England's nine at the Adelaide Oval. Let's have a look at both teams' potential 11s for the second Ashes test. We'll start with Australia. Warner, Harris, Labuschagne, Smith, Head, Green, Kerry, Cummins, Stark, Lyon, Jai Richardson or Nessa. Now, I think Australia will make a force change to their 11, and they will for the second Ashes test at the Adelaide Oval. Josh Hazelwood, as we all know, has been ruled out of the second test due to a mild side strain. So therefore, he won't be joining the team in Adelaide for this second Ashes test. Um, so Jai Richardson or Michael Nessa are the candidates to replace him. Uh, Jai Richardson's in good form. He's taken 23 wickets at an average of 13 of the Sheffield Shield this season. He um, taken a five-wicket haul as well, five for 23 as well. Um, so he's the front runner to replace uh, Josh Hazelwood in the 11 for the second test. 
Michael Nessa has done well in the past and also has been around the Australian Test Squad for quite a few um, series now. Um, he's done well recently for Australia A against the England Lions in the tour match up there in Queensland. He took a five-wicket haul, five for 29 in 15.3 overs with five maidens going at one and over. But I think Jai, Richards, uh, Jai Richardson may get the nod o over Michael Nessa. I think um, because Jai's in good form, obviously in this Sheffield Shield season. So I think Australia will uh, go with Jai Richardson instead of Michael Nessa for the second Ashes Test. So that could be Australia's potential 11 for the second Ashes Test. We'll have a look at England's potential 11 for the second Ashes Test from the Adelaide Oval. Burns, Hamid, Milan, Root, Stokes, Pope, Butler, Wokes, Robinson, Broad and Anderson. I think England will make two changes to their 11 for the second Ashes Test in Adelaide. Obviously Stuart Broad and James Anderson to come back in. Obviously there was a lot of People um, bamboozled by why they didn't play in Brisbane for the first test, but they'll be definitely back for the second test match in Adelaide. Um, if that's the case, which it's most likely it will be the case, I think um, England will leave out Mark Wood. Um, it's a long series, and we know with Mark Wood, he's had a history of injuries in the past. So I think England will take the cautious approach with Mark Wood and wrap him up in cotton wool and rest him. They definitely need him for Melbourne and Sydney. So Mark Wood to be rested, I think, and Jack Leach to sit out, obviously, and reassess his bowling after what happened to him in Brisbane. So I think those two will miss out, and obviously Broughton Anderson with that experience, and obviously with the pink ball will come back in for England for this second Ashes test at the Adelaide Oval. That could be England's potential 11 for the second Ashes test in Adelaide. And these could be the potential 11s for both teams heading into the second Ashes Test at the Adelaide Oval. Who's going to win this second Ashes Test at the Adelaide Oval? I think Australia will win the second Test. Um, they have all the momentum at the moment, Australia, following a brilliant win in Brisbane. Um, Australia have a good record in day-night Test matches overall. They've played eight day-night Test matches. They've won all eight of them. And day-night test matches at, at the Adelaide Oval for Australia, since 2015, they've played five and won all five of them. So they have a good record in day-night test matches overall and at the Adelaide Oval, Australia. Um, for England, they have a poor record in day-night test matches. They haven't played as much as Australia. They've only played four matches overall since 2017. And, and especially playing day-night test matches overseas, England have not had a great record in day-night test matches overseas. Um, they've only won one match, and they've lost three. Um, and all three of those losses have been overseas. Um, obviously, back in 2017-18, they lost that day-night test in Adelaide by 120 runs. Um, that's the last day-night test that was played in the Ashes at the Adelaide Oval. So, not a great record for England in day-night test matches overall, but also overseas. Now, a bit of a recap of that day-night test in Adelaide back four years ago. Australia batted first and made eight for 442 declared, I should say, in the first innings. Obviously, Shaw Marsh made a brilliant 126 not out. Um, England in their first innings were bowled out for 227. Australia in their second innings were bowled out for 138. That's where James Anderson picked up five wickets, his first five-wicket haul in Australia. And in their second innings, England needed 354 runs to win. They were bowled out for 233, and Mitchell Stark picked up five wickets for Australia 
in that second inning. So not a great record for England day-night test matches. Also with England's batting lineup at the moment, as we saw in Brisbane, the fragility about their batting, um, will it stack up? up against Australia's bowlers under lights with the pink ball in Adelaide remains to be seen. They're definitely going to be challenged. So I think Australia, with the experience in day-night test matches and the great record they have in Adelaide, and also overall in day-night test matches, I think Australia should win this day-night test in Adelaide, and it should be a 2-0 series lead for Australia in this Ashes series. Um, for England, they're going to be up against it, despite the conditions being favourable for their bowlers and being used to these conditions back home. It's still going to be a challenge for them. And obviously they haven't had a great record in day-night test matches overall, but also overseas. So despite the conditions being favourable for them, their batsmen are going to be tested up against this Australian lineup in terms of the Australian bowlers. Um, and their batting at the moment is poor and fragile. So I think Australia will definitely win this second test match in Adelaide. What can we expect from both teams heading into the second Ashes Test at the Adelaide Oval? Australia will be looking to continue this winning momentum. They'll be looking to keep doing the basics with both bat and ball, and if they do that, they should be able to win at Adelaide. England, they'll be looking to bounce back in Adelaide. They need to improve their batting and need to score big runs to give their bowlers a chance in this second Ashes Test at Adelaide. If they do that, then they have a chance of winning. If they don't, it could be a 2-0 series lead to Australia. What a test match we have seen at the Gabba. It was a dominant performance from Australia in the end to win by nine wickets and to claim a 1-0 series lead heading into Adelaide for the second Ashes test. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode. Be sure to subscribe and click the bell to get the latest episodes of the podcast and like and share our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. Until next time, keep safe and bye for now.